This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Welcome to episode 153 of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Glad to have you back. Man, this year is getting out of here, right? As we drop this show, it's the end of February. March is coming up. The weather is changing. The trees are greening. The grass is greening. I'm happy about that, especially in South Louisiana. It's so much prettier when it's green outside. I really enjoy it. Baseball season's starting up college baseball. Before you know it, we're into the summer vacation, and then we're drinking eggnog around a fire near a Christmas tree again. It just, as the older you get, you go from <laughs> December to January, December to January. It's just, it's kind of crazy. Well, today's show is one that I think will be both inspirational, informative, and in some ways mind blowing. My guest on this edition of The Clay Young Show is someone that I have known for nearly 20 years. We recently reconnected because of some community work that I'm a part of and that he is trying to be a part of. His name is James Abram, and he's got an amazing story. It is not often you run into someone who seems hell-bent on not making excuses for his life or her life, in this case, a male. And his story is, it's just something, the hardship. I mean, the mistakes, everything that goes along with it, and still being able to persevere and just not accepting any negativity at all. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. We sat yesterday to talk. And just as I was digesting after the fact what we had talked about, it's just one of those things where you meet someone and you know that they are destined to do something special because they learn from so many things that have happened for them, both bad and good. And this guy is one of them. And the irony of what he's doing now for a living versus where everything started won't be lost on you. So I think you'll (laughs) I think you'll enjoy the conversation. You know, we have to also at some point have a discussion about the political climate in the country right now. And this is not the show that I'm going to do it on. It may be episode 154. But I just want to talk about everything from Washington, D.C. to state government down to our local elected officials across the country and this climate that exists that I think in so many ways contributes to the lack of anything happening, the lack of any results. And it's like the paralysis that that is caused, you know, like it's like the old saying paralysis by analysis. There's so much talking and hand wringing that nothing happens. And so, you know, at some point we got to be able to tell the guys, hey, look, you guys are being elected to go and do something. And the problems are obvious. Figure it out. Fix it. But again, that's a show that we'll have on another date. Don't forget the fifth annual Smoke Em If You Got Em fundraiser is taking place on Sunday, May 20th at Ben 77 in Perkins Row. I hope that you will uh, make Plans to be there. This year's event, again, benefits the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. Tickets will remain at the same price, $100 per ticket. You'll get a complimentary cigar. You'll be a part of the tastings that will go on there. And we've got a bunch of other surprises uh, in addition to the grill station and the live music and the live and silent auction. And at Ben this year, as we've been telling you, the courtyard is going to be covered. So rain should not be an issue for us on that date. Taya Kyle is going to be back in town. In fact, in the coming weeks, we will have her talking about her participation in Smoke'em 5. And I'm looking forward to also talking with you about our title sponsor this year, a brand new title sponsor this year. And that announcement is going to be coming in the coming weeks when we do the formal rollout for this year's event. I look forward to telling you about that. Listen, on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR and then on Facebook forward slash ClayYoung. You can always email me, Clay at podcast225.com. We'll take a quick break and then come back with our guest 
for this edition of The Clay Young Show. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. And now, today's Manners Minute. To forgive, we must set aside our pride, prejudice, and presumptions for the sake of someone smaller and something bigger than ourselves, the children of our community. If we choose not to forgive, the cost is even greater. Bitterness, anger, and worst of all, the inability to move forward become the price of unforgiveness. Because we are all responsible for the next generation, we have no other choice than to forgive. That popular question, how's it working for you, is critical for someone who refuses to forgive. If we choose to forgive, we gain the opportunity to move forward and move our children forward with us. Forgiveness isn't the end, it's the beginning. The beginning of healing and the beginning of progress. Without forgiveness, nothing changes. We must be willing to learn hard lessons from past mistakes, then forgive and forge ahead for the sake of our children. Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge. This is The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Back with James Abram, and this is going to be a great conversation. I already know it. Uh, This man has an unbelievable story. He is 100% motivated and a 100% motivator. And he's got this, this background that you have got to hear, and we'll talk a little bit about what he's doing right now and, and some things that we're trying to uh, get him to be a part of. But let's start first with your story. What's going on, man? Man, everything's just fine. I'm definitely happy to be here and to, happy to reconnect with you. It's been a long time. I think the first time we sat and did radio together was like the early 2000s, and yeah. I was doing a a little radio show with some high school kids and college freshmen and sophomores. Word up. And in fact, one of the parents of one of the kids, as we sit and record this, I spoke to her this morning. Wow, that's amazing. And so it's amazing when I still have contact with these kids every now and again. But uh, we met then when you were doing some things in the community. But before we get to the work and music and everything you did, let's talk a little bit about your story. Well... It all started in 1972 when I was born. Right. Um, I was abandoned to the Department of Health and Hospital uh, Family Service Division. Um, if you I, can't tell about that New Orleans accent, he's from. I am from New Orleans. Yeah. Up in Miami. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, most people from here get the accent, but if you're not from here, you're listening to a New Orleans accent. Right. And um, I was placed in foster care. Um, at the age of 13, uh, I ended up being legally adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout my struggles, throughout my, 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 my road to redemption, I was homeless as a juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed in the Covenant House, which is a, a shelter for homeless juveniles on South Rampart Street in yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Um, at the age of 18, hanging out with the wrong crowd, um, I end up getting a charge for armed robbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hanging with this crowd, and I refused to say what happened. I end up getting the charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I end up doing five and a half years in Angola for that. I got in there and I taught myself how to read and write. Um, I got out, I got into security, and I got into rapping and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the line, you know, you're looking at 10 years later, I got into trouble when I was only 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You're looking at over 10 years, I'm going to say, elapsed. Yeah. And I'm out here doing security, and I'm, I'm certified with a Glock through the state of Louisiana, and I get pulled over by state police. Uh, I go to federal prison for a convicted felon in possession of a firearm. While you are working on a contract with a law enforcement agency? No, at this particular time. You're I, just doing security. Exactly, okay. exactly. Right. I was working some of the most dangerous apartment okay. complex and clubs from Baton Rouge to New Orleans, sure. including Brandywine. Sure. So I end up doing three years and four months in the feds for a gun that I was certified with by the state, but they say some types. I guess that's what I meant. So you, the state made you legally 
able to carry the weapon you had. Right, because as a security officer, you have to go through certain training. You know, mm -hmm. you have to spend eight hours in the class, and then after that, I think it was 54 or 58 rounds on the range. Yeah. Barricaded from the left to right, right point, shooting all of the stuff that you go through, sure. and they give you a yellow card yeah. saying that you certified with this weapon. Right. Had all of the proper paperwork on and still got locked up for it. So when I got in the feds, I, you know, I always thought, hey, man, I'm intelligent. I don't need a GED. But when I'm in there in order to take college courses, why not take advantage of all of the um, programs that they yeah. have available for you in the penal system yeah. so that I may reintegrate myself back into society as a productive citizen? Yeah. You know, there's no such thing as rehabilitation due to incarceration. It comes from within. It's something yeah. you have to want. So I got the GED. And then after I got the GED, 200 and something hours of Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, and Excel, four certifications in fitness and nutrition, 200 and something hours of Spanish. You know, I started taking up all of these things. I started reading business books and books on neurophysiology and behavior science, macro and micro expression. These were the things that I was doing to build myself up so that when I didn't I even know about the Spanish. Right, right, right. I'm not that fluent, so okay. don't put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So. But still, but that's something. So so you were saying, so you did that, and then it goes along. So And then you're you're out, and then what? I get out. Um, I know that they, they put me in Mall City in this halfway house yeah. uh, to do six months over there, and you can get a job and get a weekend pass to go home. So. Okay. Uh, I start working at Jerry Lane Chevrolet. I start off in a parts truck one day until the guy recognized my potentials and my mm -hmm. strengths. Mm -hmm. I moved from there to the parts counter, from that to a supervisor, became an expediter for the owner, Ashley Furniture. Um, I didn't have some of the best of jobs, which is why I tell guys who say, hey, man, look, I can't get a job. I'm selling drugs because I'm a convicted felon. And that's an excuse. You can, but it's all about how you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. It's all about how you build your resume, you know. So, and then I kind of moved up from there, and I started Safety Solutions. So, currently, I own a law enforcement support company, and what that is is I design and build law enforcement vehicles. Now think about that. You have been to the state pen, the federal pen. And now you work right alongside law enforcement agencies. Yes. Helping them to retrofit their vehicles. So they can and, be safe. And with security systems. Right. So you can't just skip all the way from where you were to there. That's a hell of a leap from where you were to here. And it's an amazing leap. But what's the story? The story is this, man. You, regardless to what situation you go through in life, I always try to see the positive in everything. Right. You know, okay, I go through this situation. I can either be angry about it mm -hmm. and be negative, which will cause me to fall right back into this situation. Yeah. Or I could see the positive in it and say, okay, this happened to me. Yeah. I'm in this situation. Yeah. What am I going to do about it to better myself so this won't happen again? So even from the Angola to the federal situation, and, and, and we hadn't even got to what happened to me in, yeah, in, in yeah. um, St. Charles Parish, yes. I, I try my best not to think negative. Yeah. And, and, and that's my message to yeah. anybody that may be going through something or have been through something. I always try to see the positive in everything. Yeah. And this will help to build you up. Well, so, and, and we'll keep going forward, but you, you have given us a lot here. Let's start first with, never having known your biological parents. And we've known each other a little while, and I think to this day you have still never met your biological parents. Never. Any member of your biological family. Yes, because I just took, I did Ancestry DNA, mm -hmm. and I, I just got my results back for 23andMe. Here's okay. the deal. I've, um, I, I learned that I'm biracial. And well, I could see that by looking at you. Exactly. <laughs> and and I found a half a brother who's this big time movie guy that's out in New York, man. And he won't even communicate with me, won't respond to any of my messages. Really? I, really. I found first cousins, second cousins who can directly let me know who my mom and dad is and they won't answer any of my messages. Do you think it's because they believe it's a scam based upon all the stuff that's been happening in the last few years? I, I don't think it's that, Clay. I think because my mom used the address in New Orleans on U-Turp, a street called U-Turp. Yeah. Um, after it, it was an empty lot 
after going to the address, it was an empty lot. So I started to Google, and I found out that on this lot sat a synagogue. A synagogue is a place of worship for Jews. Uh-huh. According to my DNA, I am 26% European Jewish. So I'm trying to figure out why, what happened back in 1972? What was my mother seeking refuge from for her to use a synagogue as her residence on my biological birth certificate? How long have you been in this process of trying to figure that out? Oh, man, for years. Yes. So at what point did you get to a place where you realized that that was the address and that what was going that's what was going on? After I did the ancestry DNA and found out that I was uh 26% European Jewish, okay. this made me say, well okay, when I googled this, this was a synagogue, a right. place of worship for Jews. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then it, the realization hit that maybe my mind was seeking refuge from something because on my adoption paper it says Barbara Jean Harris, a.k.a. Lynette Williams. Why would you use an alias if you wasn't running from something? Well, Lynette Williams, so I'm assuming she was African-American. No. She was not. Yeah, she she is the European side of me. So the other side is the black side. Exactly. Okay, so your dad, what do you know about your dad? Nothing at all. All I know is his name is Sam Harris. Okay, so we and, and we can skip ahead to where we are. Going through all of this, we have seen in society how a child's upbringing feeds a lot of what they become from serial killer to abuser to someone who battles with depression and who can't get out of bed, can't get off a couch. They're not functional. And a lot of that goes back to a person's childhood. Things that they had no control over when they were at their most vulnerable right. created all of these insecurities and negatives in them. And, I'm, and I, I say that with 0% judgment. It's, it's just a matter of fact, as I'm sure you would agree. Right. You have had all these things happen. And as long as I've known you, you've always been an optimist. Mm-hmm. So where does that come from? It comes from me. It comes from me realizing that if I'm in a negative environment mm-hmm. and I'm around negative people, yeah, this would have a negative effect on my life. Right. So I knew at one point I was gonna have to take myself out of that environment. Yeah. Put myself around positive people, and it would have a positive effect on my life. And that's what I started doing. I started befriending people that were positive mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Because if I do this, a positive person not going to even let you hold a negative conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And they try. Yeah, that's right. And they try to build you up. Like right now, I have a friend and he worked for a law enforcement agent agency here. And at one point, my company started to get a little slow. And he mm-hmm. was like, well, hey, man, why don't you ever thought about driving trucks? Why don't you go to Diesel Driving Academy? Mm-hmm. Very positive thing to say. Mm-hmm. That day, I was registered and sent him pictures of my paperwork so this is what i had to do which provided you a money bridge for you to have the opportunity to get your company back going again which is also a lesson for people who start small businesses is i don't know who say this so i can't take credit for it is sometimes you have to rent the dream before you can own it exactly and like that and it's the truth because sometimes you're paying rent on the dream and then once you own it the dream pays for itself right but 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 again i don't want to go ahead too far i want to come back to something you spent two two stents in prison and you remained positive. Right. Some would say that those places are breeding grounds for bad habits and negativity and a praying uh, philosophy where you prey on society. And, and, and I don't I mean, P.A.R. Uh, P.R.E.Y. You know, so. You didn't do that. No. And let me tell you, I have to tell you this. When I was in the feds, they, they sent me to. Talladega, Alabama first. That was a medium high. Yeah. I self-surrendered there. Yeah. And then it goes by the point system. Yeah. My points went down and they sent me to Elkton, Ohio mm-hmm. to a medium low. Okay. In this medium low, you know, you have you have um, games. And you mean the type of facility. This type of facility. Like in your maximum facility, this is a it, medium to low facility. Exactly. Okay. And you have like Crips and Bloods and you have Vice Lords and all of these different gangs. You got mm-hmm. the Christians here and the Muslims there, the New Orleans and South people here. Well, anyway, 
the the New Orleans guys on a yard, they would get two tables that they reserved for themselves, and they would bring snacks out there mm-hmm. and drinks in the cooler and be like, hey, N.O., being from New Orleans, yeah, New Orleans, come and hang out with us. Yeah, yeah. You know where I would be en route to? The law library. Because I need to get in the West Business Law book because when I come home, in order to be productive, I plan on owning my own business, which I do now. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, hey, man, I'll get up with you another time. So in other words, you can't put yourself in certain negative situations. Here's the thing. Hold on. You know that's abnormal. It is. You know that. I mean, come on. And and here's the thing for people listening to this. You're shaking your head going, that guy's full. No, I'm telling you, I've known him. This is who he is, and for the benefit of this conversation, I'll ask questions you know, like I don't already know the answer, but even hearing you talk about it, that's abnormal. So let's deal with that for a second. Mm-hmm. That's not easy for everybody. No. And I don't mean it as a judgment. I mean some people don't have the mental fortitude to be able to rise mentally above their circumstances. It's, it's a shame, but it's a truth. So when you're telling people, you know, I'm in prison Guys from New Orleans are sitting. I should. I could be hopeless, but I'm not. I'm. I'm working on my future, and you've you've maintained that. There's something there, dude, that is intangible that's going on, and that's what I'm trying to <laughs> to grab for people listening to go inside of that because that one thing can benefit people regardless of your negative circumstances. Right. Right. You don't have to be someone who has you know dealt with law with the law. It could be someone who's failed at seven or eight businesses. Right. Someone who's been married four times. Right. Someone who can't get their kids to do what they, they need to do. Right. You have it. So talk a little bit more about the physi- physiological, emotional thing that's happening when you're holding on to positivity, when some people would look at you and go, man, you're crazy. Right. Let me, let me explain this to you. I'm one of those type of people. I've heard people actually say this. Hey, man, you can't focus on the past. Bull crap. I always look at the milestones of my past to help contribute towards the path of my future. Your losses count, man. Yeah. So I'm in this situation yeah. and it's a negative situation, but this too shall pass. Right. This situation have to end. So what am I going to do at this negative moment right. in my life? What am I going to do to secure my future? And never let this happen again. And never let this happen again. So this is my mind frame. Some people sit down and they think for the moment. Right. I don't think for the moment. I have to look at those next steps in my right. life that I'm going to be taking because, you know, this is three years and four months I'm spending here. But right. what about the rest of my life? Right. And not and not to mention, you know, you have to look at the people that love you, that's going through this with you. Right. That's suffering just as much. And as they you. all do. Exactly. So let's let's stay there for a second because it, listen, folks, the story's not even done. But wait, there's more. But let's stay there for a second. That's a very selfless but self-aware thing to say. And we've all been young. And when you're young, especially between 13 and 25, you know everything. You figured the entire world out. Nobody can teach you anything. You you know what you're doing. No, you don't. But you don't know that you don't know because you're not old enough yet to understand what you don't know. But what you said about the things we do, we take others with us. Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, we take others with us, man. We make decisions in life and we don't realize how many people it affect. Yeah. Now you're locked up. You, you, you got a mom and a dad out there who love you. Uh, if you're married, you got a wife. You got kids out there who, who's dependent on you. And now you're an absent father or absent mother if you're a female in this situation. So it's affecting all of these people. So you have to figure out, for number one, where did I go wrong? Mm-hmm. How did I even end up in this situation? And what can I do not to fall back into this same trap? Because it's not just the fact you hear it when you talk to your loved ones on the phone. You see it when your wife bring your kids up there to see you and they cry. Or your girlfriend or your your multiple girlfriends with multiple kids. Exactly. Again, no judgment. Just it's a reality. It's a reality, man. Yeah. It affects a lot of people when the the mother have to come to court and you you in there and you getting convicted for this charge and they giving you X amount of years and then your family in there and they breaking down. It's affecting everybody. Right. So you have to think about that. Yeah. And I, I tell some guys, like some guys say, hey, man, I do what I do. I can't get a job. I'm a convicted felon. And I ask them, I say, well, do you have kids? 
yeah, man, I got two kids, bro. Boys, girls, I got a boy and a girl. I said, well, you selfish. And he looked at me. What do you mean I'm selfish? You need to realize that you're not just living for you anymore. You're living for them, dude. That's your legacy. They're coming up behind you. Not to mention, if you get locked up, what does that leave their mother? Hmm. What does that leave them? What does that leave everybody else that love you? It's not just about you. It's about them, too. So go through all of this and you and, and you have I've heard you tell people similar things in groups and talk about people that you've interacted with. So now after this this brief stint, you know, in federal prison, you're out now and you're back with your company. You're going. Let's talk about St. Charles Parish. Oh, man. I want to bid. How long after you had gotten out that second time did, did this even happen? Well, just I tell you what, walk us out of out of that stint up to this point. OK, out of that stint, about five, maybe about five years elapsed. OK. You know, since since the federal right. thing. OK. And, you know, at this point, things are going a little good for my company. Mm-hmm. And I just won a bid with NOPD. They got what they call, um, I'm not going to label the cars, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's vehicles that intelligence sure, use. And I sure. won a bid to, to do the electronics and other things to the vehicles. I'm on my way to New Orleans. Whoop, stop. See, there you go. See, that's why I'm the professional interviewer here, because we can't let him jump. You know, no, okay. no, no, no. Listen, okay. we can't just get right to the dessert, man. We got to st- got all it. the way yeah. through the meal. I got you. You get out. You apply to be considered for this contract with the New Orleans Police Department. Right. You win the bid. Right. They know your history. Right. That because that's an obvious thing that people are wondering if you're listening. I got you. Don't worry about it. Right. They know your history. Yep. And yet you still win the bid. Still win the bid. Continue. I'm a legitimate company, so right. I gotta. But they've checked you out. Oh yeah. It isn't as if you've lied on any of the, pr- the no. processes to get through that. Nah, you were thoroughly vetted, and they still decided what you offered and the price at which you offered it were acceptable to them. Right. Okay. Go to ahead. the point where they actually called St. Charles, like, "What are y'all doing? This guy have a contract with us." But anyway, I'm on my way to New Orleans, and I'm going up Airline Highway. Yeah. Um, I, I enter the St. Charles Parish line. Two things I never do. If I see a woman, an elderly person stranded on the side of the road, I will stop to, to, to assist. Amen. And this young lady, she had a flat tire, and she didn't have the proper type of jack because it was like some type of Thunderbird or something. Right, right. She couldn't get the jack under it, and I had a hydraulic jack. So I pull over to change her flat. Now, now mind you, you run my license plate, it's going to come back to Safety Solutions. Your company. Right. Yeah. You see what I have on now? Yeah, it's on his uniform. My company yeah. uniform, Jay Abram, yeah. emergency vehicle. Look outfit. at the picture on social media and then you'll see. Exactly. So I'm looking just like this. Yeah. So it started off with one deputy, white deputy. Okay. Okay. And then he he look in my truck and he see the computer. And, 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 you know, the computer is for when I invoice. When yeah. I finish a job, I do invoice and I sure. put the invoice on the dashboard of each vehicle. Yeah. And, and he like, hey, man. So you're in one of the vehicles that you had just done some work. To. No, this is my company vehicle. Your company vehicle. Right. Okay. My demo uh, vehicle. Uh, okay. So he look in there. He's like, hey, man, I see you got a computer in there. You know who you with? And I say, and I'm pointing at my shirt. And I'm like, man, I own a law enforcement support company. You know, I'm on my way to New Orleans to do some vehicles for him. All right, cool. He walks off. I'm not knowing that he got on the radio. Before you know it, you would have swear to God a murder was committed on the side of the road because in comes 10 units. Ten police ten units. units? Ten. Mark units. You're exaggerating. Not exaggerating. Ten units. Ten units. Okay. Mark units came in. Before you know it, when all of his backup got there, I'm down there trying to jack the car up, and he's like, hey, man, come here for a minute. Step back here by my vehicle. I'm like, well, what you got, sir? He say, uh, I need to see your ID. I say, well, sir, this is not a traffic stop. I'm aiding a motorist. I'm trying to True. help. Yeah, I'm trying to help a motorist. What do you need my oh, ID for? Okay. We just want to see who you are. Well, you can see that from my shirt, sir. Yeah. So you're refusing to give it to me? Now, I don't want to, you know, make no waves or push sure. any buttons. I sure. have a lot of friends in law sure, enforcement. Sure, sure, sure. I understand what they go through. Yeah. So here you are. Yeah. Then before you know it, an unmarked truck pulls up. And this is a, a detective, mm-hmm. another white guy. He walks up. Hey, man, did y'all Mirandize him? Why he not in handcuffs? 
He said, well, we just trying to figure out what's going on with him. Now, mind you, they have all of the paperwork for my company on the hood of their yeah. car at this time. Where's the woman, by the way, with all this? The woman on? is by her car, scared to debt because she's not understanding what's going on. Okay. You know, so he was like, you know, did you Mirandize him? Why he's not in handcuffs? Because we're just trying to figure out, figure out what's going on with him. We're going to find something on him. Put him in cuffs, Mirandize him. He goes to his truck, his unmarked vehicle, come back with a law book and start flipping through it. 112.1. Come on, man. No no bull crap. 112.1, which is impersonation of a police officer. Now, granted, I have no flashing blue lights on my truck. So you don't, and that's what I was going to ask you. So you don't have flashing blue lights or... They was installed. They was, in, they was equipped because it's a demo vehicle, but right. it wasn't activated. So you weren't running those lights? No, it was just my hazard lights. Right, but, it's, but why are those on your vehicle? It's a demo vehicle. When you're a merchant, you have a, a right to merchandise. Just like going to a store, that shirt you have right. on, it's on a mannequin. Right. Well, no, actually not this one. But Well, yes. well you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's merchandise. <laughs> right, right. So right. so when I take my demo vehicle, like, like I have to go to an agency, for instance, Thursday morning in New Orleans, yeah. and I have another showing to go do yeah. out in this area. And what I do is I pull my demo vehicle up, I cut it on. I let the uh, the fleet person look at it, and mm-hmm. they ask questions about the lights, what it costs, and look at the different places you can install them. That's merchandising, right? Okay, so so in other words, this is just this is so you can demonstrate what your company does by showing it showing it to them on a vehicle, exactly. But you hadn't pulled this woman over using flashing lights. No, you pulled over because you saw that she was someone in distress because of a flat tire. And if you pull a report, that's what the first paragraph say. Okay. And so then, then you get Mirandized, mm-hmm. and then they find something, and what they found was, again, what? Uh, 112.1, which is impersonation of a police officer. So what happens from then? Th- then he goes through the book. I had a pocket knife hanging on my pocket. They charged me with illegal carrying of a weapon. <laughs> of a weapon? <laughs> of a weapon by a convicted felon, my pocket knife. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so what happens then? I get locked up. I go to jail. <laughs> I go to jail, and, and here's the deal. This, this is So the St. Charles Sheriff's Office. Sheriff's Office. And, okay. and this is the deal. This, this was the only thing I loved about the iPhone. I had my iPhone. It left it clipped to my belt. So I say, Siri, call wifey. Siri called my wife. <laughs> and I tell my wife, hey, I'm in the back of a police car. I'm going to jail. And she like, going to jail for what? I say for impersonating a police officer and illegal carrying of a weapon. She said, a weapon? I say, yeah, my pocket knife. Your pocket knife? I say, yeah, call Troy, my friend with mm-hmm. NOPD, mm-hmm. who told me to give him a 10 o'clock wake-up call mm-hmm. because he had to go to a detail. Yeah. Now, when, when, everything, when they came back and got in the car and transported me, she had hung up and called him. When I make it to the jail... Them not knowing that I know all of the 10 codes had mm-hmm. say, hey, Calabrese, Deputy Calabrese, mm-hmm. which was the first deputy on the scene. Uh, we got an NOPD guy calling about your 1015, which means prisoner, me. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said, well, tell him we don't do business like that. If he if he want to talk, you know, he need to come up here and we'll go from there. I don't want to talk to him. Right. You know, and then, you know, I get locked up, man. I have to tell you this. Outside of everything that I've been through in my life. I spent 75 days in jail, 75, for attempting to change. So two and a half months? Yep, for attempting to change. I had had a $150,000 bond for a charge that only carried two years imprisonment and or a $2,500 fine. Why do you think this was? You mentioned the race of of a couple of sheriff's deputies a couple times. So do you believe this was racial? It, it wasn't just racial, but St. Charles Parish is full of nepotism. Okay. Like, the judge is kent to the DA. Yeah, okay. How is that even possible? The detective that came on the scene is married to whoever. It's, it's, it's nepotism, and it's three families that run St. Charles Parish, and yeah. all of them are in those public offices. Well, but, but why would they target you then? It wasn't so much as talk. I was just a black guy. So you think it, they just targeted and, you because you were, you were the black guy? And, and the female was white. So, yeah. So I guess I was. And a matter of fact, what did she say about all this? She didn't say anything. She was. Did just, anyone ask her about? Well, I guess I guess them pulling you over was was independent of anything you were doing for her anyway. Right. 
it had nothing to do with that. So what did NOPD say about this? I mean, did any did the NOPD called them again and was like, what are y'all doing? This guy got a contract with us. He was on the way down here to do some vehicles. Yeah. They was like, yeah, well, he had all of that law enforcement stuff in it. Which, okay, this is, this is what makes me mad, Clay. Listen to this right quick, right? I had boxes and boxes of lights in the back of my expedition and boxes of mm-hmm. sirens. I had tent for the window to mm-hmm. tent the windows. Sure. I had all of this. Okay, if an officer pull a vehicle over, mm-hmm. he search a vehicle and he find a piece of blunt, mm-hmm. that officer is intelligent enough through his training and experience to know that that is of personal use. Mm-hmm. If an officer pull a vehicle over and search a vehicle and find anything an ounce or above and it's in little baggage, anything like that, then through his training and experience, he know that that is with intent to distribute. Right. So if you search my vehicle, sir, and you find boxes and boxes of lights and siren brand new, is that not with the intent to distribute that? Yeah. So I still. So what ultimately happened with the arrest and the charge and the whole thing? Okay. so so I'm in jail. And they running me back and forth to court. And, of course, the lawyer is kent to somebody, too. So yeah. they're they giving me the runaround. So you can request books. So yeah. I request the criminal code of procedure. I looked the charge up. I saw what the charge carried. Yeah. Um, I got pen and paper, and I wrote out a, a motion. Oh, man, what was it called? It was to compel, a motion to compel. Pretty much what this motion to compel was doing was giving the sheriff department 30 days to release the dash cam footage from the first deputy on the scene, mm-hmm. proving that when he pulled up, I was bent over changing the flat, Yeah, proving that the only thing I had activated on my vehicle at the time was my hazard lights, yeah. no flashing yeah. blue lights, right. proving that this wasn't a traffic stop, right. this was me aiding. They had 30 So had you, had you not even been pulled over, if you had passed him on the road, he wouldn't have even known. Wouldn't even stopped it. Yeah. He wouldn't even stop. Yeah. And, and, and so what happened was within that 30 days... Uh, if if the 30 days elapsed, then the sheriff department is held in contempt yeah. by the court. Yeah. Right. So within the 30 days, they released me. They gave me all of my stuff back mm-hmm. outside of the stuff that they stole because I had lights missing. Yeah. So when, I, when, 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 when me and my wife go to get the stuff back and we have this inventory list that they give you, the mm-hmm. evidence list, this captain come out there and you know what he tell me? I apologize, Mr. Abrams. Some of these young guys out here, they're, they're cowboys, and I had to stop him. I say, sir, no disrespect. Those cowboys are a direct reflection of your agency because they go to an academy, then they go through an FTO program where one of your seasoned officers train them. So if you're telling me that you apologize because they're cowboys, sir, they're a direct reflection of your department. And he you said... He, well, I just wanted to say that I apologize, you yeah. know, and, and he walked off. Yeah. I don't need your apology. You took 75 days of my yeah. life for attempting to change a flat. You know what the judge told me? The judge told me, Judge Lemon, and, and that's one of the big families out there. She said, I have to let you go. But I really believe in my heart that you was up to no good and we can't prove it. But, what? But in the future... If you see anybody on the side of the road stranded and it could be me, you keep going. Wow. That's deep, dude. Wow. That's deep. She told me to keep going. Wow. So, yeah, and that was the that was the first time. I don't even think I said wow. it. That was the first time, man, I, out of everything that I've been through, I actually laid in that bed with the cover over my head and I cried because I didn't yeah. understand why. All I was doing was changing the flat. Why am I in jail? This was the first time I actually shed tears. What, well, I, I, yeah, I got to ask. Like, what was her, what was that based upon, saying something like that to you? Her looking at my record, but here's the sad part about that. <laughs> if you look at the time elapsed between me being in Angola and then getting hit with a convicted felon of a, of a firearm, you have over 10 li- years that elapsed in between that time with me getting in no trouble. Right. Then and it, you currently have a contract with the New Orleans Police Department. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not going nowhere. But did that ever come up in the conversation with them? No, they didn't care. <laughs> so you, you, when was this? Oh, man. Uh, I forgot, Claire. I, I'm, I'm guessing 2010, so, 2011. Okay. So, so, this is, so this is over five years ago, nearly a decade ago. Right. And 
obviously you still are the person now that you were even before this happened. I won't change. Yeah. And, and that, that's the question. And there's so many other things about some of the things that you've said that you've said a few times that I want to go back to. And I've been in conversation with friends of mine who are in the legislature, people in law enforcement about what do you do about someone who has gone to jail, gone to prison for something who comes out, who wants the ability to put a life together as best they can and having to understand that so many of them don't know how to read or write. They don't know how to go look for a job. They don't know. They're not you. They don't have that thing that's internal to do this. How would you recommend grabbing some of the guys or at least having something in place for them to give them a pathway to stay out and not just end up pulling a U-turn sometime down the road? Does that question make sense? It makes sense. Okay. I actually wanted to start off a 501c3 called Hope, Helping Our People Excel. And what that would do is it would cater to um, Mm ex-offenders, you know, people that's coming home that don't know how to put a resume together, Mm -hmm. um, that don't know how to handle themselves in the interview, you know, um, that don't even know how to speak in the interview. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted that. That's a way that I wanted to help because this would this would help to transition them back into society. Let me give you an example. People ask me, man, how do you get all of those supervisor positions since you've been home and you're a convicted felon? Here's the key to my success. I give you a resume. Mm -hmm. I submit my application. And on the application, it says, have you ever been convicted of a felony? I leave it blank. Let me tell you why. Because if they're impressed with my resume and I make it to the interviewing process and the interviewer says, hey, Mr. Abram, we noticed on your application it say, have you ever been convicted of a felony? You didn't put anything. Well, yes, ma'am. I didn't put anything because I am a convicted felon. And I felt as though if I would have put it on the application, you would have automatically stereotyped me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give you the opportunity to see who I am as opposed to who I was. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though through all of my training and experience in this field that I can be a major asset to your company if you would just give me a chance. And I understand coming into any corporation. But everybody can't do what you did. No. Because, you know, even what you got in trouble for is not the same as some people being convicted for some things. Right. Say a child molester. Right. Or someone who's killed somebody. I mean... In your situation, sure, you could look at that and go, well, I'm looking at you and I don't see a person who's been convicted. And then when I find out what you were convicted of, it's not something that would make me stay away from you. But there are some people who, if they get into a business, it would behoove me as a business owner to know that it's either been a sexual predator or murderer or or somebody who's who's laundered a million dollars or a hundred million dollars from a business. So what about the other side, the people who haven't? You know, they 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 they're not you. Right. So what about them? Well, though that person, just whatever their situation may be, just yeah. have to find their own way. Right. They have to stay positive And you. All right. As a sex offender, you already know what you can sure. and can't do. Sure. So you have to find something in the field that you can do. Right. You can go into a plant because there's no kids in the right. plant. That's right. You know, you can work. Well, I don't know about the garbage truck thing because they go in a certain neighborhood. That's right. But all you have to do with you, you have to make the best of your situation. If sure. you if you was in a good situation where you wore a suit every day, mm-hmm. now you're a sex offender. You know, you can't do certain things. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with your life That's now? That's right. So you have to do what you have to do to stay positive And you have to find something that you can do for a living in order to survive out here to keep you away from that situation. Have you ever spoken to. I know you've spoken to young people and groups of kids. Have they ever had you come back to speak to people in prison or even at the juvenile uh, detention center? Have you ever spoken to any of the kids there? That's what I want to do. Well, maybe we can help you with that because I do think you are so honest with your story. And I think that for people, and you're not bitter. No. You never blame anybody. Nah. And I think that is a victory because I believe this. You don't have to give someone the power over you to give them credit for your loss. Right. It's my fault. I need to do this better next time. I need to I need to not do this. Don't give people the power over you to say you lost because of me. Let me tell you two quick things. Coming into my manhood, I knew one of the qualities of becoming a man was accepting responsibility for your own actions without making excuses. Yeah. There is no but. Right. I messed up, Clay. Yep. 
I'm going to do what I have to do to, to be better. Right. The second thing is I asked a person, and, and it's a female, that, that has been through a lot like I have, and she's came out of it. She's a mother. And I asked her on the phone with her mom because her mom played a major part in her life. I say, if you can change one single thing in your past to redirect the path of your future, what would that one thing be? She told me she would have continued further in her education. And I forgot what field she said she was trying to go in and go into her field. So when she finished, I said, if someone was to pose that question to me, I would have to say absolutely, positively nothing. And her mom screamed, I knew you was going to say that. I said, and let me explain to you why I would change nothing. Because the trials and tribulations you go through in life shapes and molds the oh, person yeah. you become. Make your hide thick, man. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and with no struggle and yeah. sacrifice, there is absolutely no progress in yeah. life. Yeah. So guess what? You are now strong. You've been through this thing. You have this thick skin now. Mm -hmm. So when you see young girls that's on that same path that you was on, you have a story to tell, and you are now in a position to save them. Same thing with me. I've been through everything that I've been through, but now I can reach back to some of the youngsters coming up behind me and say, hey, man, you know you're on a path of destruction, right? Come here, man. Let me be your GPS. Right. Let me lead you down this path, <laughs> you know, where you can actually excel. Right. Because they got this misconception, man. A lot of these youngsters in the community, they listen to these rappers, the negative rappers. Or mm -hmm. they see these guys, you know, they're selling the drugs and they, they got the big rims and they got the nice looking girls. But, hey, man, it's cool for you to be educated. Mm -hmm. It's cool for you to pull your pants up yeah. and tighten your belt up. Yeah. It's cool for you to speak properly. Oh, yeah. And it's cool for you to do something with your life other than hang on the block. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, you put yourself in a stereotype. Mm -hmm. You have That's to, the truth. You have to break the chain. Somebody got to break that cycle. Yeah. The cycle has been broken with me, Clay. Man. See, the thing is, I think for people who are hearing you, and I know that people are inspired by it, and I can tell people it's the truth. You've always been this person. I think that it is it's valuable for someone who's been through what you have been through to impart that wisdom into young people, male or female, who are headed down a road to trouble. Because you've got the credibility of saying, I could have been the other side of this coin. Oh, yeah. Easily. But I didn't. And here is why. And here's how. And now business owner, homeowner, you know, yeah. somebody you you are working with law enforcement. Right. I mean, if that's not the biggest bit of irony that you could look at to say, here is someone who you would say, is that guy going to end up work? And in New Orleans. Right. You know, so if you had to give if you had to sum up, I mean, and we've talked in long form, but if you had to sum up why your philosophy about optimism is what it is. What would you tell people listening? Um, it's, it just pays to stay positive. That's, that's the only thing I can really say, man. The, the negative thing don't really pay off. Let me tell you, when I was in the federal uh, joint, man, I had a guy that slept in a cubicle across from me, real estate mogul, mm -hmm. multimillionaire. He showed me the pictures with him and celebrities and with Mike Tyson mm -hmm. and the cars and the house. He got hit with something called predatory lending, mm -hmm. and he got 25 years for it. This guy would come out of his cubicle, and mine was right across from his. And, and whenever I would study my books, I would put a right on a piece of paper, man at work, do not disturb. I'm studying. Mm -hmm. So one day, man, he came over, and he knocked on the thing. He said, look, I know you always put your sign up, and I really hate to disturb you, man. But when you get a chance, I would like to have a conversation with you. I gave him that conversation. This is what this guy told me. I would always get ahead in life. If I remembered the five P's and I'm like, man, what is the five P's? And I got a pen and paper. Proper preparation prevents <laughs> Piss poor, poor performance. performance. <laughs> right. And what I was doing That's was good. I was properly preparing yeah. myself through yeah. my studies to reintegrate myself yeah. back into society. Yeah. And that was his message. 
Yeah, man, that's I can't top that. So if people want to learn more about your company, um, how can they how can they find you? Facebook backslash Safety Solutions LLC. He'll be back. I'm going to get him and Bishop Omar together in here. And you want to talk about powerful. But, man, that's the way to end it. It's been a long time, man. It's so great to talk to you here sitting down in front of a couple of microphones again, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right, back to wrap up in just a moment. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here, and listen, if you are trying to sell your home but you want to save money, let me tell you something. Denise Harris with Remax Preferred Choice has the answer. Denise, let's talk about that. Yes, Clay. I'm really, really excited to talk about this promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're offering a commission of 3.6%. That's mm-hmm. all you pay. Right. Instead of paying a 6% or a 5%, wow. we're offering you the same services for 3.6%. So you save money, thousands. Yes. And what else do you get? You get a full service listing. Okay. And, and professionals, full-time agents that are here to service you. You also get professional photos. Right. That's how people shop now. Professional photos are going to help you sell your property. So don't miss the opportunity to get this help. Contact Denise Harris and Annie McGarner right now. How can people reach you? Give us a call at 291-4440-291-4440. Or you can stop by our office at 3300 North Shore Forest Drive. We're here to service you. That's Remax Preferred Choice. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. It is scary how optimistic that man is, right? How he refuses to eat any negativity, even in the face of some crazy things that have happened, some of which have been his own fault, and others have been things that happened to him that he had no control over. But, you know, you throw it all in there and say, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do it better. And I just, uh, I think he is a role model for young men who have been in trouble, who need to hear from someone who has had tough times, some of which he created, who says, I'm not going to do it the same way. I'm going to do it better. I'm going to be an example. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to create a reality for myself that is productive and legal and positive and all these things. And there it is. So I enjoyed our conversation. I hope you did as well. And again, we thank you for listening. Share the word about our podcast. You can get it online. Again, if you're listening directly on the website, you can get it in the podcast, the Apple Podcast app. You can also get it on your other smartphones going to the website and pulling it down there. And I just appreciate all the feedback and the support that we have from so many of you. Enjoy the rest of your day or your travel or whatever you're doing. And we appreciate you listening to The Clay Young Show. Our time is done. Catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.